Welcome to the Droma Preventative Health Podcast, hosted by the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. We provide you with up-to-date information on health topics geared towards the Orthodox Jewish community. This podcast content is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice or as a substitute for the medical advice of a physician. Hi, my name is Alisa Minkin. I am a general pediatrician and I'm the co-chair of the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, the JOMA Preventative Health Committee. And I'm here tonight with Dr. Debbie Herbst, all the way from Australia. She's a GP, a general practitioner in Australia who focuses on the health and well-being of all patients through emphasis on a healthy lifestyle. Her main interests are in women and children's health as well as diet and nutrition, especially the impact of healthy eating in pregnancy and beyond. She is very much a proponent of the emerging trends in nutrition that focus on less consumption of processed foods, refined sugars, and starches. In 2013, she was involved in making the movie The Sugar Film and is listed on the Low Carb Down Under website. Dr. Herbst is a sought-after presenter and speaker in the community on the topic of enhanced health and well-being through nutrition. Dr. Herbst is accredited through the Royal Women's Hospital and Monash Medical Center as a shared care GP, general practitioner, to deliver top-quality care prior to conception throughout the pregnancy and after delivery. She also works as one of the GPs at the Masada Parent Infant Unit, and she is involved in the postnatal care of both mother and baby, especially in dealing with transition to parenthood. And she is and the mental health of parents at this exciting but often stressful time of their life. So, Dr. Herbst, thank you so, so much for joining me tonight. And it's exciting to meet you over the phone while you're in the same continent as I am and the same time zone. Can you tell me how you've become so involved and interested in nutrition, please? Sure. Hi, listen. It's really my pleasure to be involved in this. It's definitely my passion, one of my, my passions in terms of um, health and well-being, not just for my patients, but in the community that I live in, in the wonderful um, community in Melbourne, Australia. We're, we're not such a large community compared to the community here, but it's a very strong and vibrant community. Um, so I, I like to, 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 spread, to spread my um, thoughts um, and passion about healthy eating sort of beyond the confines of my, of my practice and uh, just to my patients. Um, so thank you for having me. And I'm also very excited to hear about the, the wonderful work that, that you're doing here. Uh, really, my son, who, um, who was actually, I'm very proud to say, he's just graduated medical school himself and just started working oh, as a doctor. Awesome. Yeah, thank wow. you. You know, my son's a doctor, right? Every, every Jewish mother's dream. But um, so, yeah, so he, he was a little chubby as a child and as a teenager. And um, then, you know, in his teen years, he, he sort of started to try and figure out what he needed to do to get himself healthy. I, I just want to say one little tiny sad, this is such a sad, sad little side story to this, that he, he, he really worked on himself and, and started exercising and started, you know, investigating different sort of, you know, food plans that would work for him. And I mean, I guess I, I, he lost, you know, sort of a reasonable amount, um, amount of weight sort of in his sort of late teens. To the point that one of my friends said to me, oh, so which bariatric surgeon did you use for your son? Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what? The only way to lose weight is to go and have surgery? I mean, I think he was, you know, 16 years old. I, think, 
as if, I mean, I know sometimes people do it, but I was like, wow, like you really think like a person can't do it themselves. That's the only solution. Anyway, it was just like, that's just a little side note. I always stuck with me that somebody thought that because he, you know, took himself in hand and became responsible for what he was doing, that that's what he must've done. Anyway, so I remember one day my husband and I were going away on vacation, you know, I was looking for something to read. And he, he said to me, mama, here, take this, read, read this book. He'd sort of, you know, found this way of, of, you know, at the time, you know, paleo, cutting, cutting out processed foods, let's say, cutting out a lot of processed foods. He said, here, mum, take this book. And I remember sitting there on our vacation and reading this book and all my background medical knowledge was like fighting it and saying, no, this can't be true. No, this can't be true. No, this can't be true. I know that's not true. And cholesterol does matter. And, oh, you can't eat so much, you know, healthy fats because it's bad for you. You're going to have a heart attack. And, and, oh, you know, and I was like really resisting it because that's what I'd learned in medical school that, you know, we'd learned the dogma and this is the way it is. So I found myself resisting. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'll just, I'll, I'll just try. Like, I don't know. What have I got to lose? At, at this time, by the way, I was eating what we thought was a nice, healthy diet, having nice and low-fat yoga for, for breakfast. <laughs> I would make my own homemade granola. And, you know, God forbid I would put any, any um, oil on it because, you know, fat was bad for you and evil but I would put on lots of orange juice and honey to make it nice and but it was all natural right natural all natural lots of dried mm. food and I would make myself I thought I was eating really healthy anyway so I thought you know what one day I'll just try going a bit more basic I'll just have some eggs and vegetables for breakfast and I remember thinking oh I won't be satisfied I'm going to be hungry I'll be anyway I thought I'll do it one day a week so what started out as a one day a week I saw, you know what, I actually feel pretty good. Not that I felt necessarily bad before, but I started to feel, hey, you know, I'm not, I, I just started to feel less dependent. Like I wasn't always waiting, for, hanging out for lunch. Like when I was eating the other way, it was always like, when's lunch, when's lunch, when's lunch? Mm -hmm. In fact, I was, it wasn't only lunch. I used to have a jar of jelly beans on my desk in my office, you know, to give out to kids and stuff. And sometimes in the middle of consulting patients, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I feel my energy going. I, if I don't get a jelly bean soon, like I can't wait for the patient to get out the door because I need to grab a, a jelly bean. So once I started to eat a little differently and it really was cutting out, even, I mean, the homemade granola, you wouldn't say it was processed, but whatever. I, it was obviously too much sugar, too many, you know, too much sugar in it. I started just to feel better. My energy levels evened out. Like I said, I wasn't necessarily feeling not well before, but I felt even better. And what I liked about it was this, I wasn't, you know, hanging out for lunchtime and, and, and also, you know, and, not, and also not getting home. Like, oh, my gosh, the minute I'd walk in the door, starting to really go search for food. It, it, that I really liked about it. And I really felt, I didn't think that, you know, it was psychological because I didn't, and I didn't even really believe in it at that point. I thought it's, you know, crazy. But so that was really it. And then I started just, you know, this is probably around seven, eight years, eight years ago, maybe eight, nine years ago, something like that. And I thought, you know what, you know, this can't hurt. And my son, he was still living at, he was still living at home. And, you know, he, he was really, you know, he would make himself lunches and, and salads and healthy, healthy foods to take with him wherever, you know, he was so committed to it. And so I started slowly by slowly, just like, you know, there would still be other things in the house, but slowly sort of decreasing and definitely being mindful, I think, of, you know, processed foods. And my take-home message, I'm going to say it now and repeat it later, later on, anything that sits in, a, on, in, you know, in the supermarket on a shelf that can last for years and years hmm. and has a list of ingredients that you can't pronounce many of them should pro probably not be in your home. You know, and more than, anything that has five, more than five ingredients in the label, 
probably also shouldn't be, shouldn't be something they were eating a lot of. And so, you know, that's my take home message rather, I guess, than rather than, than focusing all, you know, whether you do low carb, middle carb, you know, whatever it is, it's really about just trying to eat. And I, you know, the way, way I say it, especially to um, people in the community is Hashem gave us this beautiful world and he gave us all the fruits and vegetables and, you know, animal products, if we want to include that in our diets. Anything that Hashem gave us in this world and that, you know, that's the way we're supposed to be. Our bodies were never designed to be incorporating these highly processed foods um, that, like I said, you know, supermarkets are just full of row after row after row of, you know, things with unpronounceable names in them. So, yeah, that was that's the beginning of the journey, I guess. It's really interesting. You know, I just want to say a couple of things before I forget. One tip that um, on my own journey, which I'm probably not going to get into, um, a number of reasons why in my family, we also try hard to focus exactly like you said, on less processed food, more plant-based, um, lower carb, but, but allowing fat back in the diet because it wasn't the evil we thought it was. Um, one cute tip is, I don't know if the supermarkets in Australia are are arranged differently, but here there's a concept of walk the perimeter of the store that all in the middle is where most of the processed stuff is. And around the edges, you're going to find more of the produce and the dairy um, and things like that. So if you try to stay out of the middle, that's one, one good trick. Yes, I yes, I definitely recommend that to people. Exactly. Try try not to get caught. You know, more, the more you get into the center of it, yeah, try and stay exactly that. And I think supermarkets probably all over the world are designed similarly with the fresh produce on the on the outside. Um, yeah, so definitely a, a very useful tip. Right. And um, the other thing I just wanted to ask you is you you were sort of vague about the diet. I would like you to just explain a little bit, please, about how you changed and why and why you are not getting these quick cycles of, of hunger and eating and hunger and eating, please. Um, so like I said, I wasn't particularly feeling unwell. I thought I was pretty healthy. Um, but like, so, I mean, the change was initially, basically, I guess, I'm thinking back, it was, it probably started to get, you know, some people might say that's boring, but one of the things, you know, we eat for health and well-being, and obviously, you know, I think that sometimes it can get, you know, a little tricky because there's a lot of other aspects of food. You know, food is to be enjoyed, and obviously, you know, shabbosim and yamim tovim and occasions, and so food. There, there is many other aspects of food rather than just the fuel that we're putting into our bodies. But I would pretty much have eggs and vegetables, or um, or like a, a good, you know, Greek full cream yogurt with just some seeds and nuts on top, maybe a few berries. Um, and like I said, they're really, you know, thinking back, it was really that. And then, and lunchtime, you know, cut out bagels. And so I used, mm. I used to have a thing, and I'm sure a lot of other people, if you don't eat bread, like, you, you know, how do you fill up? And so I, I do remember initially thinking, okay, I better make sure that I take some snacks with me to work. So I always made sure I had like some almonds or yeah, just some nuts or seeds because I'm going to get hungry. I'm going to get hungry. And slowly with time realized, Hey, you know, I'm not really hungry. Um, it's really fine. Um, and yeah, just trying to have, you know, salads and maybe tuna or eggs or something for with the salad. So always trying to include a protein in it because I found pretty quickly and most people, if you really, you know, just have, salads and vegetables it won't satisfy you and you will you know end up you know especially if there's not healthy food around you know grabbing something that you know maybe is one of the quick sort of things out of a packet so make yeah, it's it, a lot of it is being prepared 
And I remember at the time my husband was saying, oh, you know, you're focusing so much on food all day. You think about food all day. You think about food. And I, there is a time, you have to be, you have to plan. You have to be prepared because unfortunately, most of the things like we were saying that you can buy quickly, that you can grab quickly are things, you know, that come in a packet. I mean, other, you know, nuts is a really good one. Even, you know, cheese, cheese, always having some hard boiled eggs in the fridge. So with time, you learn to have those foods around so that you, if you are hungry or, if, you know, sometimes we, I know, you know, as physicians, we get busy and don't get a chance maybe to take a lunch break to make sure that there's some of those foods around. I will say slowly with time, the other, like, really, I can't explain, yeah, that feeling of not coming home. I used to, I remember, you know, whatever time I would get home, like, I have to eat, like, before while I'm preparing supper, you know, needing something to eat, not being able to wait to supper. Now, if I don't eat till six or seven o'clock, I'm, I'm good. Like, it's, it's very liberating in a way. I mean, I guess, like, a lot of things, it's almost like I, I often tell my patients, you've got to, you've got to try, like, You've got to jump in and try it to believe it because I wouldn't have, I didn't really believe, I, truth is, I didn't believe in myself either. And I used to, you know, think, oh, those people who say that they're just convincing themselves. Now, there's very strong reasons for it in terms of the physiology, and you mm -hmm. alluded to it. When we eat carbohydrate containing foods, and they can be even really healthy carbohydrate containing foods, um, you know, obviously the more processed, the more refined sugars in them, and refined flours the sort of the quicker of the surge of the, you know, glucose in the, in the bloodstream. And, you know, I do, I love doing the little graph that I, I draw for my patients that when any carbohydrate food or carbohydrates break, break, break down into sugars. Now some break down slower than others. And, and the ones that break down slower, you know, tend to be the healthier types. So what we call the, the low glycemic index or the low glycemic load foods which has also got to do with how much fiber is in them. And that's where the, you know, the role of fiber in it because it slows down the digestion. So there's, you know, things like that, but in essence, they all break down into, into, into sugars. And, and what happens is once, you know, the, that there's a release of glucose in the bloodstream, your body makes insulin. Everybody's heard of insulin, which is, you know, everyone knows people who are you know, diabetic who unfortunately have to, uh, you know, inject themselves with insulin. Um, we can talk, we'll talk a little bit about the, the, you know, the epidemic of diabetes maybe a little bit later. But so what happens is, so your body makes this insulin to get the, the, the glucose, you know, into your cells out of the bloodstream. And then your blood sugar level like, drops a little. Now, when people have highly processed carbs, what happens is the blood sugar level goes up really quickly and then it comes down really quickly. And when it comes down, um, when it comes down, you, it actually, it's, it's not you being weak or... It, your brain, you, your body chemistry is telling you to eat again because your blood sugar level drops below a certain point, which may, A, makes you hungry, it makes you cranky, it makes you want to eat something and particularly want to eat those quick release sugar foods again because it's like you, you, your body is like telling you you need sugar in your system again because the insulin has come in, taken it out of, out of your bloodstream and, it, and, that's, and that's the answer to why I needed those jelly beans. So it's so liberating to get out of like the, that like the roller coaster ride that many people are on, including, by the way, children, kids who are going off to school. You know, I, a lot of my friends are teachers, and I'll, you know, I ask them, you know, what happens nine, you know, depending on time the kids start school, nine thirty, ten o'clock. And yeah, they say, yeah, a lot of the kids lose focus. A lot of them are losing, you know, losing concentration, which is probably a t for another discussion. But mm. in all these reasons, so many of us are on this roller coaster a whole day long. The cycle of eating, 
crashing, eating, crashing, eating, crashing. And, you know, people who say they're addicted, you know, to sugar, that's, they are. And it's not because they're weak or silly or not listening to the advice. It's a physiological, you know, reason that their body is telling, their brain is telling them, get some sugar into you. I want to just stop for just a minute because you said almost like sugar is addictive. And I really want to just go into that a little more because I I think that it's sort of a term we're applying to it. It's, I don't believe it's addictive like a drug. I think it's just how we're interpreting what happens in our bodies when we have sugar. I mean, different people have different beliefs. I don't know what you believe. Well, I used to also think that, like, you know, when people say, oh, I'm, I'm addicted to chocolate and I'm addicted to this. And like I said, there's all those, and we know there's emotional reasons that people eat and there's all sorts of other reasons. But there is definitely, those people who say they're addicted, yeah, they, they're addicted in that if they continue to, they continue to eat it, yeah, they, they, there's a drive, there's a very strong drive for them to eat it again. That's one side of it. There is another side to it, and there is research that, there, you know, the centres in our brains, the addiction centres, that mm. sugar, and there's, you know, all these studies being shown about, done about showing rats or putting rats in front of cocaine and sugar, and the sugar, the area in the brain lights up more from the sugar than it does from the cocaine. So that it's more, that there is this belief that there is this, you know, addict, addiction centres in the brain that respond very highly to sugar now you could you know and some people will explain that in a evolutionary sense that when there was no food around or food was scarce that if someone would be able to find something with a lot of glucose in it like fruit or something else it would be good for them like it would sustain them for a while it would give them energy so there's a reason that our brains perhaps are wired to go after sweet things it's just when we've messed with the system and have those sweet things available all the time, not okay, just good. in the form of fruit and vegetables, but in the form of blue, green, pink, yellow, purple, every color under the sun, right. um, you know, candies that, yes. So <laughs> what would the role of sugar be in a normal diet for a person who has no underlying conditions? That's what I was trying to get at, that it's not that you, I believe that everybody should completely eliminate sugar from their diet that that you're saying you do you do believe that no 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 so when you say i I don't like the term addiction even though all of those factors you said you know i've heard about before yeah because it makes it sound like a drug in which case you should never have it i'm trying to get towards a a moderate stance for someone who doesn't have underlying health conditions say like diabetes Right, right. On a restricted okay. diet for other medical reasons. Okay, so I'll go by you know what the World Health Organization has recommended that that um, people don't have more than six to nine maximum teaspoons of mm-hmm. added sugar in the diet. So that is not include that is not what is found in whole fruit. Juice is a separate. Let's keep juice out of it for a minute. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Added sugars. So. And, and I, I believe that there's no, there's no need, there is no need for anybody to be eating more than that in terms of their, what their body needs. Our bodies do not need any of these added. Now, where, interestingly, so people's, like I, I talked to a lot of people, oh, I don't need any sugar. You know, I don't put, I don't put sugar in my, in my tea and coffee. I, uh, sweet uh, I, don't have, <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need any sugar. I say, okay, let's go check out your refrigerator. Let's go check out what's in your pantry. Okay, let's take this jar of mayonnaise. Have a look. What's the second or the third ingredient in some mayonnaise? Sugar. Oh, interesting. Or in America, high fructose corn syrup. We don't use high fructose corn syrup, but that's 
a form of sugar, obviously. Let's take a look in this bottle of ketchup here in your, that you have. Oh, what's in that? High fructose corn syrup and probably sugar as well. Let's take a look in this uh, granola bar that has lots of pictures of palm trees and birds and it's natural and it's healthy. Let's look what's in that. Oh, um, uh, they eat natural cane sugar. Well, what's natural? What's natural cane syrup? Sorry, natural cane syrup. What's natural cane syrup? So sugar. So sometimes if you start to add up, I had, you know, no one's going measure, measuring out how many teaspoons of ketchup they put, they, they, they might eat. But if you, you know, figure, so, okay, so if we had a teaspoon of ketchup, which probably not a lot, probably most people when they put a, you know, a spritz of ketchup is a lot more than a teaspoon. And you've had a tablespoon of mayonnaise, even the nice, you know, the low fat, all of that stuff, the low fat ones probably have more. And, oh, okay, that was another two teaspoons of sugar in there. And then I had, I used a sauce that I poured on my chicken, chicken when I made supper tonight. Oh, okay, that sauce. Yeah, there's some sugar in that as well. Very easy to get to six teaspoons of sugar. Oh, well, let's not talk. What about in the low fat yogurt that we ate for breakfast? Oh, yes. Oh, three teaspoons for serve. So when we start to look at it, and they, these are like not even the unhealthier of the processed foods. These are sort of staples almost, you could say. So it's very easy to get to this six teaspoons of sugar per day that the World Health Organization says that no one should be eating more than that. Now, of course, then you're going to say, you know, and that's why, you know, I haven't mentioned Nash candies, sodas, because sometimes I actually think, when we're eating the nash and the candies and the sodas, we know that's sugar. So it's almost like that's easier to somehow, except other than that crazy lifestyle where kids are given stuff in school and there's a, you know, there's a simcha and there's a thing and there's... Seems Shabbos school. parties. Shabbos, Shabbos <laughs> parties, exactly. Masiba Shabbos, early morning, you know, people say to me all the time, can't they not give the kids, you know, I, I say, you're right. And that's, that's hopefully where we'll go a little bit with this. What can we as as mothers and as women in the community, what can we do to, to stem this tide a little bit? But um, I've gone off tangent. Oh yeah, I feel like saying, you know what, eat the chocolate bar because when you eat the chocolate bar, you know you're eating sugar. The problem is it's when you're eating your low fat yogurt in the morning, putting it on your healthy high fiber cereal, you've just had six, seven teaspoons of sugar right there thinking that, yeah, that you've eaten something so healthy. I'd rather, and it's interesting that there's, there's um, so out of that sugar film, they made all sorts, there were all sorts of flow-ons. There's a book and there's an app and sometimes they do little graphics. What do you think has more sugar, this granola bar or this candy bar? And they show the that sometimes, <laughs> exactly, the granola bar actually has more sugar in it than the candy bar. And people think they're eating, you know, doing the right thing, eating healthy stuff. So, you know, crackers is another one. Like, so. Movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's almost like I feel like when you eat the candies and the nash, as long as it as long as it is just for a Shabbos treat once a week and not every single day, that at least you know you know that's a nash, you know that's a treat, that you know that's not something that should be like we call you know the eighty twenty rule. Eighty percent of the time we should strive to be eating this nice healthy way. Yeah, twenty percent of the time, okay, there's Shabbos comes along and we have a simcha and we you know want to like I said, there's other reasons that that we eat to celebrate, to spend time with our families, all the other reasons, but. 80% of the time, it should be with these, you know, like I say, J-E-R-F, Just Eat Real Food guidelines. Mm -hmm. So what about finding hidden sugar in a food? You kind of talked about it a little bit, that we know that chocolate and, and nosh is, is full of sugar, but yeah. how do we find all the hidden sugar or simple carbohydrates, right? Because like you yeah. said, crackers or simple carbohydrates, they turn right into sugar. Yep. Yeah. How do we find them? 
Okay, so it's about it's about starting to read food labels, and I um, and I know, and that's where you know people like because you know I know in Australia, and I'm you know I know the food labels here. Also, it'll tell you you know how much it lists all the nutrients, and it'll say per serving, and then it might say, well, then we're talking you know in grand metric in Australia, so so per 100 grams, and people start to get really confused. So there's a big push in Australia now to actually have it represented in teaspoons because, and again, we're telling people, this is the guideline, don't eat, aim to try not to eat more than maximum of this nine, you know, depending on how old you are between, like I said, six to nine added teaspoons of added mm -hmm. sugar per day. So if it was represented on the, imagine if it was represented on the label that it, when you have one serve of this, that's like eating three teaspoons of sugar, it would make it so much easier. Right. Um, and that's with the added sugar listed separately. That's a new change here to have the added sugar yeah. listed separately. Because it'd be confusing. You're eating a yogurt and there's milk sugar in it, which is normal part of the right part of the product yeah. itself, not added. Yeah. It so needs just getting to be, it divided yeah. out was a big change. It needs change. to be the added sugars, correct? So right. it's it's you know I'm not going to say it's it's you know it, it just makes us again, but just the awareness of it first of all. Just every time someone picks something up in the supermarket and throws it in their trolley. Hmm, like is this something we should be eating all the time or is this something we should only be eating some of the time and just that awareness and again even actually taking the example of our kids you know going to the shivers and the schools like and we know that they they i mean i don't know what it's like here but you know one day one mother told me that she counted that her kid that day because he'd done really well he'd come to davening on time and he went you know there was an extra shear during the day and he stayed later for mishnaya's palpair he had got three cans of soda that day because you know, I, so, you know, gotta be better rewards than just exactly, exactly. I mean, my own grand, my own granddaughter a couple of years ago, and this is, you know, I'm of course quite involved in the school and stuff. And she came home with a, like a laffy taffy, and you know, she was little. She was in first grade. I was like, a little girl should be just as happy with a with a you know a pencil with with a pencil or a few stickers or a nice array, you know. She, she knew proudly, you know, she came and told me, look what I got today in school. Like she knew that, you know, it's kind of like really, what giving five, six year old, what are you giving this to them for? They're, especially, you know, they're just as happy with a little chachka, which a little bit, with a little thing that they don't need. Anyway, so, so that's why we, it's almost like we have to be extra mindful because I know some schools are better than others. You know, some schools are really good and I've tried to implement, you know, tried to get the, the, people on board to sort of just be be aware of it but we know it's like we know in everything in life we can only change ourselves right we can we've got to start with ourselves start with ourselves start with our own homes then we try a little in our communities with our schools we're not going to shut down coca-cola let's face it we're not going to shut down the supermarkets supermarkets are here to stay like it's the way of the world now right we, we don't go out to our apple tree and pick an apple off our tree most of us some of us who live in you know some areas maybe are lucky to, to have that i grow we have a little bit vegetable patch in you know in, in our back garden but most people you know don't don't have that um, we, we supermarkets are where we buy our food. So just to be aware, like, let's try and make those small changes in our own homes with our own families of just having that awareness and, and maybe in the beginning, yeah, really adding it up. Okay. So this is what we had for breakfast. Okay. Let's write that down. Okay. That was three teaspoons of sugar and what, what snacks are, you know, kids taking to school and, you know, just being mindful of that. And then what's happening when they come home from school and then, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, um, 
people get, you know, really they, they have their eyes opened when they start to, to do that for a little while. And then once you have that awareness, like everything, once you have the awareness, you know, that's half of the, half of the solution is just to, to be aware of the, of the issue to begin with, rather than just, um, you know, hoping for the best or hoping that, I don't know what, that it'll, it'll just get better. Right. I also want to just talk for a few minutes about um, popular sort of fad diets. Yeah. Um, because I think that, I don't know, in Australia, in America, I feel like we're a nation of extremes. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, okay, well, sugar's addictive. We're going to just remove it. Okay, let's go, yeah. you know, keto or paleo. You mentioned paleo earlier. Yeah. Just a few comments. I would love to hear if, some opinions that you have yeah. about this. Okay, so I, I think, you know, my response to that is, you know, when you said, you know, a nation of extremes, I think it's also a nation, and I think this is, you know, Western civilization in general that we all want a quick fix so when people you know see the latest news story or the latest you know hollywood star who just lost you know 20 pounds by going keto or going paleo everything oh wow oh it looks so easy right that's all we need to do and again as we know in life when something you know sounds too good to be true it usually is like everything obviously comes you know there has you get the reward for the effort they put in so if it would be so easy, you know, if there'd be one answer, one size fits all, we'd all we'd all be doing all right. But clearly, there isn't one size fits all. And again, you know, I I, I have my own particular views. But again, it, it's really everyone is different. There isn't one size fits all. And and what about oh, you know, too much protein, not good for your kidneys, and then you know, I don't, I think this starts where it starts to get confusing. And every day you'll open up and you'll see this study says you know too much red meat. This study says not enough red meat. All this it starts to get again coming back to the basic principle of of reducing our processed carbohydrates cannot be a bad thing for anyone. Right, that is a very good explanation. I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, that anybody who listens to this, please talk to your doctor before yes. taking on a yes. special diet. It's so, so important. I mean, I think you're making really great points that there are um, some diets that are incredibly life-changing um, for people with special health conditions, but every single person is different. It's like you said, your metabolism is different. My metabolism is different. It's You need to find a doctor that, you know, a healthcare provider that knows enough about nutrition and or see a nutritionist. Um, I have a lot of pediatric patients who need good nutrition advice. And it's not just a matter of how much I know. I know a fair amount. It's also a matter of how much time I have, which is not yes. enough. Yes. And so I refer, I bet every other patient to a nutritionist in my community that takes yeah. insurance and is yeah. my lifesaver. So I think it's, it, it really takes a lot of individualized information to make good decisions. And that's, that's really important for people to keep in mind. Um, another point that I wanted to make was that, you know, we keep talking about studies. I think it's really hard to study nutrition because because we are all different yeah um you know we can say this study shows this this study shows that and i think that was one of the controversies about the the red meat whether you know yeah. you have to really restrict it or you should have plenty of it and that you know parallels with the whole controversy over paleo which has a lot of red meat in it um i don't know that we really know um but if every person gets good medical care and gets good nutritional advice with someone who 
really has a good background. I mean, I personally like to stick with someone who's, if I'm going to send you to a nutritionist, I, I send to someone who has an RD um, or yeah. another degree that shows they're a registered dietitian, not just because at least in America, you can call yourself a nutritionist and have no particular degree. Yes. Yeah. No, we, yeah, it's similar in Australia. And again, I mean, the whole, you know, medical system is, is, is quite different in terms of insurance. But yeah, if, if, if someone goes to see someone who doesn't have a degree, they won't get, they you know, won't be covered by their insurance. So, um, which is, you know, it's not that sometimes some of those people don't, uh, may have, you know, may have some good advice. But I, yeah, I also would stick only with people, you know, registered um, healthcare professionals. Absolutely. But you're right. And I, I think that's, you know, a lot of doctors also, you're right, they throw up their hands. Like, you say it's a, it's very time consuming and as much as I'm you know we're giving talking about very general principles but for a lot of people they really need to know you know the specifics right and as you're saying that's quite time consuming so it you know it is good to for people to take that time to go and see someone who can you know go through it very carefully with them and you know a number of visits maybe and you know obviously they you know, we look with a lot of things that you know a lot of times we tell try and just make some small sustainable changes with time, you know, they can tweak it a little bit. So it's good to have that, you know, person that they can go back to, to, you know, what does work, what doesn't work for them, you know, and everybody's like, our lifestyles are different, our, you know, time constraints, you know, some people, you know, have, have more time to, you know, cook every day. Some people like to cook one, you know, all of these factors. So you're right, really working with the individual and, 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 and um, based on their, on their own situation is very important. I would love if we could come up with, we're going to end soon because it's late, but yeah. I would love if we could come up with just a few little ideas. Again, it may not work for every person that listens, but it's so hard to make long lasting changes. Um, and it's, I think it's the best to just start, like, instead of saying, I'm going to go on this restrictive diet and I'm always going to eat this way. And then you can't, and you, yeah. you know, regain the weight even more than before, or you just go back to whatever your habits what would be some simple things that someone whose family's diet is not great could start with just a few? Okay. The, the number one change would be and this, and this was, uh, you know, this is going back probably around 10 years. So there was a study um, in the Royal Children's Hospital in, in Melbourne where I live, which is, you know, a great, you know, it's, well, it's well, you know, we have some, some excellent, um, centers of health in, in Australia. Um, so there was a study into childhood obesity and sort of a pilot study basically was looking at if we, if we, the, in, the intervention was um, taking groups of children who, who, first of all, just making sure that we, we weigh and measure children regularly. And then taking children who'd been identified and getting them to come in with their parents and just talk to them about some health goals in general and to see if that may, you know, if what intervention made a difference. Anyway, the number one difference was drink, only drinking water. Water should be the only drink that we give to our children. Now, okay, let's with the caveat of Shabbos, you know, maybe a Shabbos tree, but during the week, I, I personally, I know, I know people, you know, my, there is, yeah, that water should be the only drink that, that children are given. Um, you know, apart from milk, obviously, children can have milk, but like during the day and, and in the evening with their supper, water. Um, and that was that was the, out of the whole study was you know that was the key that was the take home message which was more than ten years ago now it was actually quite a while ago and it was already because I remember I certainly I remember I used to give my children juice to take to school I think you're doing the right thing right it's nice healthy juice but now we know that that juice I mean this is won't even talk about the whole dental side of it but there's you know 
and, and everybody can do it. I know, I know it can be hard. It can be challenging. My husband used to like soda also. Um, but yeah, during the week, you know, water, we drink water. I mean, that's it. Um, Shabbos, maybe we'll, we'll get some, uh, you know, some, a, a, a treat, but everyone knows that's like a treat for Shabbos, but during the week water. <laughs> so that, that's my number one thing. And, and it's, it's, cheap it's you know free i mean right. in australia we have great our, our tap water is great so we don't even you know the whole issue about you know whether we drink bottled water or not but come on like yeah <laughs> there's no one who can't can't make that change um so that that's number one there is um, before i forget there is seltzer that seltzer, yeah. is yeah. naturally flavored without any added sugar Right, I know they have that a lot more here. We don't really have that so much in Australia. It's just that a function I went to tonight, I noticed that. And it's, I know I've had it here before. It's, yeah, that's fine. Also, you know, exactly. Like You can call that soda for kids. <laughs> right, exactly. The kids should know when you have soda, that's what it is. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so that, that oh. would be number one. Oh, before um, I forget, also, um, what about artificial sweeteners? Yeah. Oh, we didn't uh, talk about those. Yeah. Oh, the conversation. That is another topic for a whole, whole other conversation. And again, you know, it's controversial. Some people say that even the sweet taste, it's somehow, I don't know, there's been some, I don't know, studies that say when people continue to drink a lot of, you know, diet soda, that it's difficult for them to lose weight, even if they're controlling what they're eating, because they, I don't know, I, you know, I'm not quite sure. It's controversial, about it. but it it's makes sense, though, if you're trying to change your taste buds to get used yeah. to less sugar yeah. then that may get in the way absolutely. absolutely and for some people and for some people exactly slowly you know getting used to it less and less like for example some people i know you know will dilute so when they're, they're not used to it at all so you'll take seltzer and put a little bit of you know tiny bit of juice in it to begin with and sort of gradually wean off it just to exact get rid of you know get rid of that sort of desire for things to taste sweet all the time i mean it's just just a slight you know deviation slight slight deviation just to again, you know, drive home. As someone just the other day was saying to me, you know, why are things getting sweeter or why are things are we getting less used? So, you know, anyone can look this up, but the food manufacturers have done this to us and it is, right. food is actually sweeter today than it used to be. And when they, re when they develop new foods, they put people like in a, you know, in a lab and they give them like all different foods with different levels of different degrees of sweetness. And then they find the, like it's called the sweet point. What was the right. one, the most favored one? And it's the sweeter ones. And so that, oh, right, that's what people want. That's what we're going to make. So, again, it's like exactly trying to reduce that the sweet things that we like. You know, I can't think of an example now, but a lot of like, some of those processes, she said, why does this need to be sweet? Like peanut butter. That's a really good example, actually. Peanut butter. Why does peanut butter need to be sweet? Does it's not need sugar added. Does not. You know, but who put who put started putting sugar in it? And, you know, so there's so many, you know, delicious and healthy nuts butters now almond butter cashew butter macadamia you know butter and you know and just regular peanut butter without sugar it does not need to be sweet so just make you know changes like that like we're going to give give our kids those foods just you know switch it who's the, like i don't even know if the kids would notice if you went for a no i'm, I'm sure they have it here I mean, we have it in australia now you know they'll probably say no added sugar does not need to be sweet so just like making some changes like that um, just being mindful of it and, and those foods that really don't need to be sweet. I mean, the other one is our salad dressings, even the ones that we use on Shabbos. Why do we make them so sweet? Like, when did this come in that, you know, savory foods all of a sudden are sweet? The, 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 the things that we put on the chicken when we bake, why not just some, some fresh, we call it herbs. I know they say herb, you herbs, call it herbs. Yes. <laughs> just, you know, some 
you know, there's many wonderful herbs you can buy. Just sprinkle it with some salt, garlic, but you know, why does it need to be sweet? And just like those things. So just being mindful of even in our savory foods, the salads that we make, the, what we put on our chicken, what we put on our fish, trying to get away from, from including sweetness in everything. Um, our lives should be very sweet, but our food, amen, our food amen. Does, does not need to be sweet. I have two more tips before I forget, because we're getting close to those two P yes. holidays. So, so for Purim, one, one of my tips is you let the kids pick one bag, one small shalachmanah-sized bag of what's theirs. Their name goes on it, and everything else is given to tzedakah. I don't know yep. how much of a tzedakah it is to give it to other children. <laughs> That's number one. And and for Pesach, um, for my family, what I like to do is I like to, once you're taking everything out and looking at all your food, um, it's a chance to try to cut back on the, like you said, the processed food and, and try to revamp the diet because you're, you're starting all over again. Yes. As Jewish women, I think we all have this role. We can make small changes. Like I said, we're not going to affect, we're probably not going to affect the sale. Well, maybe we will if we all join together. Maybe we'll even affect the sales of Coca-Cola. But, you know, Coca-Cola is here to stay. And like I said, all these manufactured foods are here to stay. But we can affect small changes. We can start, like I said, with our families. We can we can make changes. And, yeah, let's not get into the negative side. Let's just focus on the positive, what we, what we can do about it. Right, and we shouldn't get discouraged if it feels like we're taking one step forward and two steps back. No, You know, start with not. one little. Don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Just do one yep. step at a time and use chances like the upcoming holiday of Pesach to make yeah. changes. Yeah. And I thank you so, so much. I want to let you go because it's, it's late, but thank yeah. you so, so much. And I hope we can get together again and talk about many other topics that you have a lot to say about. Thank you so, so much. It's been my pleasure. Be well. Have a good night. You too. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share this with your friends. For more information, check out our Instagram at joma underscore org. Check out our website, www.joma.org, that's J-O-W-M-A dot org, or email us at health at joma.org.